1: Diving, diving deep diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and
0: Pro Football Hall of Famer, the
1: General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast, the first episode of the new week. It is here the last week of June. It's great to be with you we got a lot to get to on the show today. My name is Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast, Sports Radio 610. And, of course, joined, as always, by my good friend, the Hall of Famer. And he's our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain. John, how was your weekend, my friend? My weekends are always great, just like I'm always great. Oh, boy. I like hearing that. Um, well... We'll get to the Astros in just a minute. That's uh, not, not to rain on your great parade, John, but we'll get to the Astros in, in in just a few minutes. But before we get to that, we'll do some for real or Fugazi later as we kind of head into the, the lull in the offseason here for the the Texans. There's still plenty of topics to dig into with the Texans, but um, I guess the only real news, John, that I can think of, Texans-wise, from this past week is that on Friday, Will Anderson signed his his rookie deal. Four years, 35 million, 22 million guaranteed. And I guess probably if it's news, you know, I don't know how news, newsy it is because these contracts are all slotted, but C.J. Stroud is one of a handful of rookies who still has yet to sign his deal. But what are your thoughts on the Will Anderson – Will Anderson getting that piece of business done?
0: Nothing. There's no contract issues anymore unless a guy doesn't report to training camp because he doesn't like the language in the contract. When I used to cover the Oilers, they had holdouts. We'll go to the trade deadline in October. They'd have multiple holdouts missing uh, training camp. And every day, agents were ripping the general manager. General manager was ripping the agents. Now, that's news, but I love it. The way it is today, you don't have to mess with it. And you just wait till they say it's done.
1: Yeah. And I guess the only thing, I mean, if that were the case, then, you know, then why? I'm sure a question people are listening to the potter asking okay, well, why aren't all 31 first round picks signed then? If it's that easy. Because it's slotted, um, as you well, mentioned. It's, it's it's slotted, but if it's slotted, it should be real easy. I guess there are a few little things linguistically in the contract that they can haggle over, offset language and things like that, that 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 get hung up. I, I guess, John, the message I would give to Texan fans, because it's probably less about Will Anderson and more about C.J. Stroud and the fact that David Mulligetta is C.J. Stroud's agent, is to your point, it's all slotted. There's little things here and there that they can haggle over, but this is not going to turn into some sort of crisis for the Texans because – David Mulligetta has a a hangover from whatever was going on with Deshaun Watson a couple years ago.
0: Mulligetta loves the Texans. They gave him an incredible extension. They gave him the no-trade clause. They got no issues with him. And you mentioned offset language. I'm guessing most viewers and listeners have no clue what that is. And it has to do with if you get cut. You know, it's so amazing to me that you're talking about first-round picks and possibly getting cut before their contract's up. And it happens because some of them tend to be bust. Well, lot of said means they get all their money no matter what they get with the other team. And a lot of them say, hey, if uh, we cut you, we shouldn't have to pay you the rest if another team is paying it. And some of them make a big deal out of it. I remember one of the bosses missed a lot of training camp, and then they always cave.
1: Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this too, John, just in the wake of this news and then the Rockets draft last week where the Rockets, by all accounts, had a pretty good draft. You know, the experts who follow the draft, they got Ahmed Thompson with the fourth pick, and they got Cam Whitmore, the freshman from Villanova, with the 20th pick. He slid all the way to 20th in the draft, and that was viewed as a steal by a lot of people. Um, there's a lot of fun rookies in this town right now. You know, between – The top two guys for the Texans, Stroud and Anderson, who, by the way, Anderson, favorite for the defensive rookie of the year. Stroud, fourth on the odds board for offensive rookie of the year. Bijan Robinson is the favorite. Hunter Brown is fourth on the AL rookie of the year odds board, nine and a half to one. And then you got the two Rocket rookies who, one is uh, Thompson is 14 to one, Whitmore is 20 to one. I mean, the NBA, they're going to have to. You know, Victor Wembayama is going to have to get abducted by aliens to not win Rookie of the Year, probably. So the Rocket rookies probably are super long shots in actuality. Um, but that's a pretty fun little uh, little quintet of rookies right there in this town.
0: It's not just rookies; it's second-year players like Derek Stingley Jr. and Jalen Petrie and Jabari Smith and Easton. The Rockets, the Rockets have so many number one picks. I couldn't believe they've had multiples for so long, and they have so many. And you know Smith and Jalen Green are their two best players. And I, I thought Whitmore, like, and I I didn't know a lot about it. I was watching it, and I was watching Jay Billis, who's one of the top broadcasters for ESPN. Couldn't understand why he didn't go. And he had him, I think he had him listed as fourth best on his board ahead of the Thompson. So uh, that that would have been a, absolutely qualify as a steal. It's going to be fun to watch and see how these guys develop.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's any way. I mean, you, you the, just to put numbers to what you just said, John, they picked eight players in the first round in the last three seasons. Wow. Which I, I guess probably speaks to the value of first-round picks in the NBA versus the NFL. Like, if you had a team that picked eight players in the first round the last three years in the NFL – you, they, if one of them's a good quarterback, chances are you're talking about that team being a Super Bowl contender. The Rockets are talking about having to spend 60 mil on overpriced free agents just to compete for a playoff spot, which I think, you know, nature of the sport, you know, if you get those picks right in the first round, boy, it can really boost you, but there's just – it's so such volatility in the NBA. I was watching uh, ESPN
0: on Sunday night, uh, one of their former uh, front office executives who's an expert – and he was showing if the Rockets signed James Harden, which would be like 47 million, how you could take three good free agents who would fit what they need for the same thing you could spend on Harden. And I'm totally against Harden coming back to Houston. Give me those other free agents any day of the week.
1: Yeah. I'd be curious who they are. Did you remember names? Did he put names to it, John? Oh, yeah. Guys- he had
0: he slid, okay. them up, slid them over okay. from the category, told how they'll fit in. One was a guy from Denver who opted out. Uh, Bruce Brown. Brock, Bruce Brown. Yeah. He was one. I forget the other two. But okay. he said if the Rockets take these three guys for the same amount, doesn't mean they could get them. Yeah. He was just talking about how much the cap would be or how much they were paying. And uh, it looked a whole lot better. And having Harden coming in there with all those young guys and uh, not exactly
1: being the kind of leader they want on or off the court. All right. We went a little rocket tangent there, but I was uh, you know, dovetailing off of the Will Anderson signing. Uh, a lot of fun young players in this town right now. Hopefully it turns into some wins. All right, uh, John, shifting gears, this time of year, you and I talk a lot of Astros because it's a bit of a dead time football-wise. Um, that was – I will say this about the weekend series against the Dodgers is that – if, if I were just an average baseball fan, just watching those two games the last two nights, because they were nationally televised games. The Saturday game was a, a Fox game, and last night was the ESPN game. Um, those were two pretty fun games and dramatic back-and-forth games to watch if you were just the average baseball fan. You and I are not the average baseball fan. We're fans of the Houston Astros. And, I, John, I can't ever remember coming away from a win – an Astros win, feeling angrier than I did last night. When
0: is Dusty Baker going to realize, Rafael, Montoya can't pitch anymore? Send him to Sugar Land. Montero. ERA, Montero. What does say, Montoya? Montoya. I get so mad. Montero, Rafael yeah. Montero, who pitched great last year, was tremendous, tremendous in the playoffs. He got his new contract. I know when I was over there for the start of spring training, he wasn't there. They said visa problems. So I don't know what his problem was, but he hadn't fixed it. His ERA, after stinking it up against the Dodgers, is 7.79. Send him to Sugarland, And every reason Dusty didn't want to use Hector Neris and uh, Ryan Presley, because they pitched, both of them pitched great. Maton came back and pitched a shutout inning, but Montero has got to go to Sugarland on the first bus headed down 59.
1: Yeah, John, I... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is where I get a little uptight about the, the what feels like the over-coddling and over-handling of pitchers. Like, whoa, you know, Hector pitched the last two nights. I'd hate to have to use him. He pitched he threw two pitches. Like literally threw two pitches on Saturday night, and you to your point, you wind up using him anyways. If you had just brought Presley in to get the last out of the eighth inning, then he never would have had to pitch two innings in the ninth and the tenth. And kudos to Ryan Presley, who was he? You know, he was he was teetering for a while on that same brink that a few of these relievers have been teetering on lately. With Montero, Stanek's not been great this year. Brian, Brian Abreu, Bray, Brian Abreu's got issues all of a sudden. Um, you know, Mayton is not what he was at the beginning of the year. Like it, it, Neris and Presley are the only two guys you can really trust right now. And hell, Seth Martinez, he did a great job in extra innings. I thought in the 11th inning coming in and kudos to Mauricio Dubon, John saved the game. I would say with that diving play in the uh, bottom of the 11th inning, kept the, the ghost runner from scoring and eventually Martinez retires aside and they win the game. I, Jose Altuve is a hall of famer and he's the greatest Astro in history. He does not make that play that Dubon made in extra innings to save that run from coming home. He, he's just, for one, Dubon is just empirically he's taller. I don't think Altuve would have gotten to the baseball that cause it was a diving stop. And then you had to get up and make a throw and Altuve's arm is not his strong suit. Dubon is actually, you know, he's a shortstop playing second base. So that was kudos to him, but Dusty's usage of Montero And even some of the decisions when they had first and third, nobody out, and he's got Maldonado in there, squeeze bunting instead of, you know, letting Diaz come in and and take a crack at it, you know? Why
0: Yiner Diaz is ever out of this lineup baffles me. Dubon, it's a home run. He's not playing the next night. Diaz had four hits, didn't play the next night. It just – the way the lineup – talent would overcome moves like that in the past, and they don't have it because of injuries. And, you know, Alvarez is hitting in the cage again. That's a good sign. Altuve was out. You know, the play you're talking about, he he made the dive to get the ground ball on the behind second base. And he got up so quick, and he got a great arm too. Mm-hmm. There's no way Altuve could have made that play any better. Dubon has been the biggest surprise on this team. Diaz is second. Corey Jokes is third. Those three guys have all gone above
1: and beyond. And I, th- I hate to think where they'd be without their contribution. Well, two of them weren't even supposed to make the team out of spring training. I mean, Diaz and and you know, Diaz was in a battle with Corey Lee and Jolks. nobody thought Jolks was going to make the team and he's had some plays too. He look, you know, jolks giveth jolks taketh away. I mean, he had the hit to drive home the run in the tenth, and then I don't know what he was doing on the bunt, trying to leave from third after the ball got thrown to first base with with nobody out, you know, or with it would have been with one out if he just stayed on third. That was that was a boneheaded play. I, you know, John, just big picture. Um, how, how do you think this plays out with Dusty Baker, either during the season, after the season? What, what do you think the end game is here uh, as far as 2023 into 24 goes? Do you think this is Dusty Baker's last year as a manager of the Astros?
0: I do. He's 74 years old. And uh, now if they went, if they go to they, the Ch- American League Championship Series again or the World Series, but – they got so many injuries on their pitching staff. J.P. France, he came out of nowhere, 28-year-old rookie now. He's pitched above and beyond. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, it's weird some of the calls they make about call-ups. They got guys in AAA tearing a cover off the ball, but they don't bring them up for whatever reason. And I'd love to see if they could do like Diaz and Dubon and and jokes and at the plate. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it didn't his last year. Now, he has said he wants to keep managing, but the end comes for everybody. He's done a tremendous job overall, but you know they can always point to the injuries on the pitching staff. Uh, Alvarez gets hurt every year and misses significant time. Altuve being out at the start of the season, but that gave Dubon a chance. And uh, the Maldonado trying to – I wonder how many times – He's put down a successful bunt in his career.
1: He's actually a decent bunner for a, for a, a catcher John. He just he put one down last week. I remember a game he put one down and I that was two bunt attempts in a game. My my whole thing with bunt attempts, if you have a an everyday player who you feel compelled to have bunt twice in a game, and he's not somebody who can beat it out. It's one thing if it's a speedster, who that <laughs> ain't Maldonado. If you have a if you have a hitter in your lineup that at any point during the season you feel compelled that the best thing to do with him is bunt twice in a game, you got a big problem with that hitter. <laughs> you know, great point. Yeah, great point. Yeah. So, um, all right. So th- that's our Stros, and uh, it's a big week coming up, John. Three in St. Louis, and then uh, four in Arlington.
0: I hope everybody's healthy, although I doubt. I, I see some reports about Alvarez won't be back until after the All-Star game. I don't, I don't know, of course. And But if, they, if he comes in as hard as he swings, if he swings and he re-injures it, he could be out a long time. So whenever he's ready, they probably ought to hold him out another week just to make sure. But it's amazing. Really, they've done what they've done without him in the lineup.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's yeah. They, I mean, they've, yeah, they've scored some runs the last few games, but it's it's been tough. The best case for Jordan as MVP is him not being in the lineup for this team. I think <laughs> him being in the lineup. Great right line. Yeah. All right. Um, it is the Utopia Football Podcast here. So let's and a big reminder too. I should do this at the beginning, but, um, if you're listening to this podcast, be sure to click on subscribe and use that Odyssey app to find us. We know more and more people finding us every week. So we appreciate you telling a friend about us as well. Um, wherever it is you get your podcast, make sure you click that subscribe button so you get it automatically. John, you want to do a little for real or fugazi? Let's do it. All right. We do this every Monday. It's called for real or fugazi. I read a sentence to John sports related and sometimes non-sports related. Um, I read it as if it is fact. If John agrees that it is indeed fact, he says for real. If he thinks that what I said is just uh, ballyhoo and hogwash, he says? Fugazi. Fugazi. It's Italian for counterfeit. It means I'm a phony. All right, John, here we go. For real or Fugazi? Kaimi Fairbairn will be the Texans' starting kicker in 2024. For real or Fugazi?
0: For real. He's given no reason to show that he shouldn't be they're very fortunate to have John Weeks, Kaimi Fairbairn, Cam Johnston. A better question would be, well Cam Johnston because his contract's up, he is still the only free agent Nick Casario's given a 3-year contract.
1: Yeah. Well, and Kaimi and that's why I said 2024. He's a this is his last year of a deal that I think a lot of people when they when Bill O'Brien gave it to him, it was a, one of a slew of deals where O'Brien decided to pay list times two. Um, Kaimi was one of the highest paid kickers in football when he signed that deal, but I don't think he was considered one of the best. He's still, even four years later, the ninth highest paid kicker in the sport. Um, so you think that Nick Casario is of mind to pay a kicker, huh?
0: I do. I don't okay. think a lot of money, but I think they'll pay him. Okay. It's like he paid Cam Johnston. Right now, special teams are the least of their problem. Yeah, You don't want to create another problem. I remember Oilers general managers used to think, oh, we can get a kicker. We can get a punter anywhere until they had to start looking. Then there was a revolving door.
1: All right, next one, John. Unlike last season, Deshaun Watson's return to NRG Stadium in week 16 this year will be a non-story. For real or Fugazi?
0: Fugazi. It's going to be a huge story. Talk shows will be talking about it all week. Chronicle will be writing about it. Uh, uh, Brandon and I will be writing about it in uh, Sports Radio 610 Dot com. As long as he is playing against the Texans, it'll be a big story. And when he's playing in Houston, it will always be a humongous story because maybe, just maybe this year, they'll have a chance to beat him, unlike last year when he didn't do squat and the Texans were terrible and the Browns
1: won. Yeah, that's the thing. Okay. Uh, yes, I I hesitate to say they didn't have a chance to beat him last year. Like Kyle Allen literally handed the, the Browns like 21 21- it's like it, uh, it's almost like Montero, John. Like if you take any other human being and put them in instead of Rafael Montero, you have a much better chance of winning that baseball game. Similarly, I think if they would taken any human being in the stadium other than Kyle Allen that day, they would have a chance. That was by far Deshaun Watson's worst game as a pro last year. By far, he was
0: and he was beatable, and the crowd was fired up, and the Texans' uh-huh. offense was the worst I've ever seen in this city's history, going back to the seventy. 70- one in 72
1: Oilers who won one game in two years. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, the fact that the one game they win in the last month of the season was the one game nobody wanted them to win. And you got Cowboys and Chiefs and Browns, and they don't win any of those. It's just uh, – anyways, bigger and brighter things ahead for sure. All right, next one, John. For real or Fugazi? Justin Jefferson will eventually be the next big-name wide receiver to get traded for multiple high picks.
0: Fugazi, I think he means too much to the to Kevin O'Connell's offense. He's definitely uh, one of the top two or three receivers in the league. And Kirk Cousins could be gone after this year. And if you take Cousins and Jefferson out of that offense, as as they've gotten rid of so many players as it is. I think the one guy that can be guaranteed to stay in is Jefferson. And now maybe on a contract after that, if he gets a short term deal
1: mm-hmm. for a
0: big, big money average. But uh, I don't think on the next one he'll be traded, not Justin Jefferson.
1: They're slow playing him right now, though, reportedly up in Minnesota. You know, he wants that deal. Um, so they're they're kind of taking it easy. John, I said this on the show the other day, and maybe Justin Jefferson, I, I'm with you. I think Minnesota's gonna sign him. Um, and I think they do it this offseason. Uh, but Jefferson, you know, a guy like T. Higgins in Cincinnati, he's another one heading into a contract year that I think wants to get paid. But it's going to be awfully hard for the Bengals to pay him and pay Burrow and pay Jamar Chase. You know, the Texans have a huge need at wide receiver to get one of, a, one of those types of guys, you know, the, like the man, the guy. Um, that would be progress to me, John, for this season. Like if after this season there's some big – Especially a wide receiver, but you know, there's some big like trade pieces out there that teams don't want to give big money to, but they want to get a couple premium picks for. That if the Texans can get mentioned in those trade talks for those teams as a possible destination, and people aren't snickering about it, kind of like when the Jets were going after Tyreek Hill, you know, like I think people looked at that and said, okay, well they're not a good football team, but they you see some pieces there and. It, starts to look like something, and I could see where Tyreek Hill might want to go there. The Texans get mentioned and stuff like that, John, and people are like, yeah, I could see that. Progress, John. This is progress in 2023.
0: Players are always going to go where they get the most money. and One of the things you worry about, a guy like T. Higgins, if a guy's number two at one team, can he be a number one with you? Yeah. Or is he just one of those guys that needs to be a number two, gets single covered all the time?
1: Alvin Harper syndrome, John. That's what we exactly. call it. Exactly. Yep. Great, great example. Yep. All right, next one, John. For real or Fugazi? By the time the Titans play the Texans, week 15 and week 17, Will Levis will be the Titans starting QB. For real or Fugazi? That's that's
0: true. I just uh, spent a weekend in Nashville went up for a, the funeral of the late Bob Hyde, a longtime executive with the Oilers and Titans and I saw a lot of Titans people spent time with fans. And uh, everybody expects Levis to be starting at some point. They were six and six with Ryan Tannehill last year, and but they're not going to win the division. Might not go to the playoffs, but at some time, Levis is going to be playing. Everybody thinks it'll be at some point, uh, some point in late November, early December. Are they excited about him, John? It they're mixed because there's been a lot, because he was. They should have been fired up about getting him in the second round. Everybody thought he was going in the first round, but a lot are like, "Eh, if he's going in the second round, something's matter with him. And then when you tell them about things that happened between his last two years at uh, Kentucky losing coordinator and offensive lineman, his favorite receivers are like, oh, and that's not Titans people, that's fans. But there's nowhere near the feeling among the fans there as there is here over Stroud. And that's the difference in a guy being taken second and a guy falling into the second round.
1: Yeah, I would say so too. All right, two more, John, non-football. For real or fugazi, at some point during the 2023 season, Jose Abreu will no longer be the everyday first baseman for the Astros. Uh,
0: Fugazi, I mean, what do you want from the guy? He had, Hmm. what, three hits in a game against the Dodgers? He's had two, a couple, and he's almost caught up with Chaz and Corey uh, with home runs. You know, he probably shouldn't be. I'd put Yonard Diaz at first base, but you know how dusty he is to prove a point. Yeah. And all the money they paid him, they got justified to Jim Crane. So I think as long as he's healthy, he's going to be the first baseman. He'll get a few rests. I'm hoping when he get a, gets a few rests. he's not the D.H., and because once Alvarez comes back, oh yeah, what happens to Yiner Diaz? What happens if Yiner continues to produce? You know, if Altuve's healthy, what happens to Mauricio Dubon? You know, Dusty's got to find a way to me to keep Diaz in the lineup when uh, Alvarez returns.
1: How about last night, John? Uh, and we're as you we, as you're listening to this, our faithful listeners out there. We're recording this on a Monday, so this is the day after the Astros six to five. Extra inning win over the Dodger. First extra inning win of the year, by the way. Yippee-yay. Yep, absolutely. Um, how about Carl Ravich after Abreu's home run is like, Jose Abreu is back. Oh, and, and I'm God. like, dude, he's been back like four times this year. He's been back more times than the University of Texas football has been back in the last <laughs> decade. He's back. Get the hell out of here. Bro. Oh, give me a break. Oh, my God. All right, last one, John. Oh, hold yeah. on.
0: I got one even better. Okay. I was watching ESPN, and I heard Kirk Herbstreit say, "Billy O'Brien is the best offensive mind in the in the NFL."
1: What, John? Billy O'Brien? John, I need okay. I need proof of this. This is like saying you tell me telling me you saw Bigfoot. <laughs> I, I need pictures, John. I need video of this. Really? Where was this? Like on a on what show?
0: I don't remember. I had the TV on and I was watching. Oh my god. And they I, were doing they were talking about Mac Jones and others and and uh, Billy O'Brien is the best offense of mine in football. And I started to tweet it, but I didn't. Did he call him Billy? Yeah. Oh my god. Everybody that has and anything to do with O'Brien and the Patriots calls him Billy, even though ever since he went to Penn State and here he's Bill. But up there, he's He's Billy. Billy. He's Billy.
1: All right. Okay. Then I I
0: heard another one say he's one of the best
1: offensive minds in the NFL. Okay. I mean, he's he's a solid enough coach. He's a horrible GM. Solid was a good way to put it. Yeah, he's solid enough. Like he's he's you know he's got he's got his blind spots. Um, He's not horrible, but it would help him a lot
0: if he could do for Mac Jones and get Mac Jones to play better than he's ever played, you know, when you're coaching Brady, that's one thing. And he did do a good, good job with developing Deshaun Watson. But now I would think Watson's more talented than Mac Jones, but if Jack Mac Jones starts playing, better than we've ever seen him, then people can start praising Bill. Now, he did a great job with Bryce Young, but Young had so much talent around him, and he's so gifted. We'll we'll see. He's been very blessed to coach a lot of really good quarterbacks.
1: No doubt. All right, last one, John. And I don't know if you have firsthand practical knowledge of what I'm about to say, but I'm about to go on vacation next week. And part of our vacation along the way here is a trip to Tennessee, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, to be exact, home of Dolly Parton. For real or for Dollywood greater than Disney World.
0: Uh, Let's see. It depends on what you want. If you want mountains and trees and beautiful scenery and you don't want traffic wall to wall across the state, uh, like you get in Florida and I've been, I have not been to Dolly, Dollywood, but I know all about it from all my friends in Tennessee. Still it's Dollywood versus Disney world. I'll say Disney world's
1: best, but okay.
0: you're going to, you're going to get some beautiful, beautiful territory. Okay.
1: So I'm, that's a Fugazi right there, huh? That's a Fugazi. Fugazi. All right. All right. John, can I just tell you that Dolly Partner is one of my, like my five favorite people on the face of the earth? No, I didn't know that. I love Dolly Parton. I think You're she's good. a delicate flower, John. Yes, yes. A delicate.
0: I don't think there's anything she's,
1: delicate about him. She is my... <laughs> she Amy knows this. Uh, Dolly Parton is my uh, hall pass in the 70 to 79-year-old category. <laughs> oh, that's great. I, I love her. I love her to death. I used to... <laughs>
0: When I was growing up in Waco, there was a AM station that played music, and they had a they had two people imitating her and Porter Wagner, and uh, <laughs> and par- I can't remember the commercial, but I remember, "Ooh, ooh Porter, squeeze these, baby." <laughs> You're going to love it. And it might have had something to do with cantaloupes, or watermelon.
1: Or Charmin. It's a
0: Charmin commercial. It would have been Charmin. It was <laughs> hilarious. Oh it was a local commercial. I didn't know who Porter Wagner was. I knew who Darley, Dolly Parton was. Oh and God. I'm thinking, could she really be talking about?
1: Theater of the mind, man. That's funny. <laughs> that is great. All right. Well, John, I'll report back on Dolly. We're definitely going to Dollywood, so uh, you're gonna have a blast. I can't wait. I, can, I I've never stayed in the Smoky Mountains before. I'm really excited. We have a cabin. They're beautiful. We have a cabin in the mountains. Nobody near us with a hot tub on the front patio Ooh. there on the Ooh. on like the deck, and it faces the mountains. It's gonna be good. So that is outstanding yeah yeah i'm very excited very excited about that and i'm assuming amy's excited too uh I'm, i'll let you know i'll check with her i you know i probably should have asked her before i scheduled a vacation are you excited about this but i'll, I'll ask she, her afterwards are I'll you excited yes she's excited she is i'm just joking i, I she oh, are you kidding me no i definitely check with her before i do that stuff all right uh john what do you got going on on your various platforms
0: tell people right quick where all y'all are going and
1: how you're getting there We are driving. We are stopping in um, multiple places along the way. We do a two-week road trip every year, so we get Airbnbs in different places and cabins in the mountains, and we're going to a wedding of a co-worker of mine, uh, Jesse Watt, the morning DJ on 96.5. She and her fiancé, Tyler Marcotte, who you know, John, used to work for the Texans. Yeah. They're getting married in Michigan, so we're stopping. We have a houseboat in Arkansas the first night. That's Sunday night. We have a a tiny house in Nashville on the 3rd of July. (laughs) We have a hotel in downtown Indy, and we're going to a minor league baseball game on the 4th of July. Oh, that's great. Then the wedding is at a resort up in Michigan. That'll be nice. And then it's to the Smoky Mountain Cabin for four days. And then we're staying in a refurbished caboose in Ashland, Alabama for a night. And then we're going to Tillman Fertitta's Golden Nugget in Biloxi for two more nights, and then it's home. So that's what we're going to
0: be a tremendous trip. I love it. I can't wait. I may see if I can go with you.
1: No, dude, we got room. We got the. We're bringing the big truck, John. So you can <laughs> uh, you can jet. You can definitely jump in with us. Uh, cool, John. What do you got going on on your various platforms? i I
0: have a column about CJ Stroud and how the Texans could use
1: him and what they want to see in training camp. Okay, good stuff. SportsRadio610.com is where you can find. All of John's stuff. Um, So uh, look there. At McLean underscore on underscore NFL is where you can find John on Twitter. I'm at Sean T. Pendergast. As you can see right at the bottom of the screen, if you're watching on, on, uh, on video on YouTube right now, you can see him right there on the screen. So give us a follow there as well. Big thanks to James Jackson, our producer, who does a great job getting the podcast out to each and every one of you. Hit that subscribe button podcast comes automatically. The the Odyssey app is the best place to go. Search on my name, John's name, or the Utopia football podcast, H O Utopia, And uh, you'll find it there. Tell a friend. We appreciate it. It's going to be a fun season of Texas football. We've got you covered here on the Utopia football podcast. For John McClain and James Jackson, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see all of you. A mailbag episode coming up Wednesday. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com to send your questions. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. Until then, have a great day, everybody.